Hello and welcome to the Avocado Social Club, a podcast where we talk about things that come up in our everyday conversations from politics to popular culture. Uh, my name is Fraser and I'm from London. And my name is Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. So today we have a bit of a different episode um, in honour of Mental Health Awareness Week. We're bringing you a mini series on mental health where we will interview different experts about different mental health issues. Um, we are the younger generation that's possibly, I guess, the most you know, out, outspoken and, and forward about mental health, but there's obviously still a lot to be done. Um, for example, you were reading recently, over a third of the public think that people who have a mental health issue diagnosed are more likely to be violent or likely to be violent, for example. Yeah. So with the lockdown and uncertainty about the future, um, we felt as though we were seeing amongst people that we know and, and more widely, a lot of these issues spike and affect those with mental health problems, but also their families and, and friends as well. Yeah, so our first guest, because we're going to have a guest today, our first guest is psychoanalyst Amaya Alvin. She is also my sister, that's why we have the same surname. <laughs> <laughs> she did a degree in psychology, but followed by a course in art psychotherapy, then a master's degree in psychoanalysis at Dimension Psicoanalytica, a prestigious psychoanalysis postgrad school in Mexico City. She has worked as a school psychologist, a therapeutic companion, and a human resources manager in an international firm. Hi, Amaya. Hello. How are you? What have you been up to in lockdown? <laughs> I'm really good, thank you. And basically home office. I've been working my eight hours a day, probably a bit more sometimes. And what else have I done? I've retaken reading because I hadn't read in a long time. Nice. So that's been nice. And I've learned the arts of home cleaning. <laughs> home cleaning that's no that's this is a good time yeah a it's good a good time, time that, to do for it for sure yeah it's not it's not that fun or anything but you know <laughs> so before we go into the topic it would be great to understand a few things for us and for those listening so what is psychoanalysis ha <laughs> that's not a simple question <laughs> sorry that's a big yeah, question but just as a summary and i won't really answer the question but for people to understand psychoanalysis was basically created by freud so it's the like the beginnings of psychology actually so psychoanalysis started before psychology oh i didn't know that mm. yeah <laughs> so freud was a neuro doctor <laughs> sorry my my native language is Spanish so all these technical terms in English are a bit difficult for me but yeah and uh, he started to realize that there was more to the human mind than just the science behind the neurosciences so um, he started seeing patients realizing through hypnosis that there was more in the subconscious mind so people weren't really aware that there was a subconscious and so psychoanalysis is based off on that on the fact that that there's an subconscious yeah th that's basically what dif differentiates it from other psychology areas okay and so what made you first interested in in freud and psychoanalysis or you know compared with other other areas i guess it seems to me i think it has a lot to do with my personality <laughs> And the fact that I like to go deep 
into things. So other psychology areas and other treatment options are very focused on quick fixes or on not the subconscious, like focusing on what's going on at the moment, like just the present and the future. Mm -hmm. And what I really liked about psychoanalysis is the fact that it goes deeper. Yeah, so basically it's the fact that it, it goes deep into the mind without actually even caring about if it's the present, the past of the, or the future. Like everything is important because of what's happening to the person. So yeah. I really like that and the fact that it doesn't it doesn't say you are ill or you have a sickness yeah that yeah that's <laughs> a good segue into p partly what we want to talk about today do you think the idea that people have a fix in their depression or their anxiety with pills comes from us weren't that quick fix to everything like a sort of symptom of being in the internet era and just the era where everything is kind of wanted immediately yeah definitely yes <laughs> i guess my simple answer is yes i do think anxiety is just a just a symptom of the times we're living in and it's not just the internet area era or you know it's not just that but the fact that we can seem to be getting anything we want with one click so it doesn't seem like there's anything we should be missing so yeah people are not really even used to waiting for things anymore and they're not focused on the process but on the final result of what they want it's almost like i feel i feel really sad today all i want is to feel better i don't want to know why i'm sad i just want to feel like i'm better i think yeah. we can all relate to that yeah i think it's like you want to get if something's wrong you expect to get the answer quite quickly and that, like i guess that's kind of the medical discourse in general it's like if you have a stomach ache take a pill if you have a headache take a pill if you like it's never about maybe you have a headache because you have a cold it's like no it doesn't matter why you have a headache just fix it or normally there's the option to just either wait for something to go away or like ha have this quick exactly. fix i guess yeah so maybe that's kind of the discourse of medicine in general not just psychology Definitely, and science in general. So I was reading, and I told Natalia before this podcast, I was reading through an essay that I wrote. And it was interesting, I didn't even remember that essay, but it was interesting because that's true, since science started uh, having all this progress, and it, uh, it was slow at first, and right now it's so fast, and every day there's new things that people know and there's new discoveries and it's probably related to space and then others related to medicine and then others related to species and so it's amazing everything we can know right now and everything that there is I mean knowledge definitely is power but it's also like it it can provide us sol with solutions for different issues that we're facing but at the same time it's too much all the time so yeah exactly I was reading through that essay and realized that it's not just medicine or anything it's just science in general it seems that the social speech that we have at the moment is based on what science can tell and and it's not bad but it's not good when it blurs out the individual speech I don't know if that makes sense science sort of covers the fact that we are all that we each have one personal speech and that we're, we all have this subjective perspective and it makes it all, it tries to make it all and make us all fit into this one thing that we should call normal or, yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Right. And do you think that's where diagnosing psychological issues comes from? Because from what I know and from what I've read, uh, psych- something that psychoanalysis does is try and not diagnose uh, clinical depression or clinical anxiety. Is It's just about treating your individual um, issues with melancholy or with whatever it is you're facing without telling you you have depression because then it kind of boxes you into certain symptoms. Yeah. So does that is that kind of the same yeah. science science symptom? I'm gonna call it. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> no, it is. But I think my question there is: Do you think that even if people feel a bit calmer knowing that they have, thinking, okay, I have depression. It's a thing. It's not something that's wrong with me. A lot of people have this. That calms people down as well. So where is the line between diagnosing someone being a bad thing, and it being something to give them a diagnosis to hold on to like where's the line between those things so i think you can give someone their diagnosis but there's always some danger in that so first of all for example i know that at some point homosexuality was considered considered a mental health sickness or illness or something like that so yeah and it was in one of those books that tell you all the mental illnesses that there exist so it's really really subjective to the cultural um, environment and the society we're living in at certain points in life so it's dangerous because of that right now we wouldn't say oh you're gay then you have a mental illness it's just not like that so it's dangerous in that way and it's also dangerous because if you tell someone yeah you're you're feeling sad all the time and you want to kill yourself because you have depression then that the danger there is that that person will be like oh okay so everything i have is because i'm ill and instead of that person taking responsibility for the way they're feeling they're just gonna put it all on their diagnosis and they're gonna and this is something that happens usually it's like okay so i have depression then that means i can now take a pill for depression and then i'll be better instead of as i said taking responsibility for the fact that they have depression and processing it in an individual or subjective way so let's say i have depression why am i feeling depressed what can i do to stop feeling this way based on my own history and on my own life instead of saying okay what does society tell i should be feeling and what's the solution that society will provide me so it's I think that's there. I think diagnosis could be helpful. And I think it should be looked at case by case if you should tell someone what their diagnosis is or or not. So psychoanalysis, some psychoanalysts do work with diagnosis. My own like studies within psychoanalysis, which are Lacanian, they don't provide any diagnosis because it's... Okay, yeah, Yeah, just as a context, Lacanian, Lacan is another psychoanalyst that came after Freud and kind of added his own theory into Freud's theory so you have Lacan and Jung I think and you can focus on is that Amaya looked at me no (laughs) (laughs) no no, that's so there was Freud and after Freud there were all these post-Freudians one of them for example is Klein she's pretty good Um, and then Jung but he ended up going a bit more into the spiritual area and then there was Lacan and there are so many others but yeah Lacan is mostly sort of like he focuses all his theory on the language and the speech of society yeah yeah just so people kind of have the context when you said Mm. because I'm Lacanian (laughs) yeah cool so something we touched on earlier is that the 
way that we treat um you know depression anxiety any kind of mental illness is kind of if you like a symptom or affected by the world that we live in and, and the way that kind of science has evolved and the way people expect everything in their life but do you think in terms of the causes of um depression and anxiety that it's also you know we're in a kind of special age or do you think that it's always kind of been this way and we just didn't necessarily talk about it or have that sort of enlightenment that maybe we start to have now I think it's both. There's this book from Freud. He talks about how every illness, and I'm making quotes here because I don't like that word, but like how every mental illness in that time, in his time, was a product or a symptom of the way culture was being held and driven, like the way society was driving mm -hmm. certain matters. So, for example, in his time, his, he based all of his theory, theory, well, not all of it, but most of it, in women who had hysteria, hysteria that were hysterical but not not like the common use of the word hysterical yeah. the actual <laughs> illness and that was the illness of that time and then there have been different illnesses still quoting here <laughs> during the whole century and in different decades based on what was going on with society and in different cultures as well, because it's not the same in Mexico as it probably was in Japan during those times. However, what I do think is special about this specific time is globalization. So hmm. we're seeing similar illnesses in Mexico as we do in Japan. So of course it is different, but the fact that it's everything so global and connected at the moment is making everything more similar and also because of the of the speech that science provides so i think that's one of the things i would say specifically special here as i said before we have the answers in the in one click or just mm. asking alexa or siri what do you what can you tell me about this and they give you the answer but it's not like we actually have the answers to everything but we think we do but not it's not special in the sense that there is always always an illness that kind of defines the culture that we live in okay okay so it's going into the one click thing it, i feel a lot of people when they're suffering from suffering from their mental health they sometimes just look up their symptoms on Google as you would look up a headache and kind of feel like if they just read enough about it, then they'll get better because they'll understand it. And I feel like we're talking more and more about mental health, but most people are still not necessarily seeking out therapy. Uh, why do you think that is? Do you think there's a reason? Is it the same reason or is there a fear of therapy or... I, I think there is a fear of therapy, of course, and there's still some stigma and taboo around it, like the fact that I, if I go to therapy, it means there's something wrong with me. But the truth is, there's something wrong with everyone. <laughs> and yeah, there is no if, normal, as you were saying. Exactly. And even if there wasn't, it's still interesting to go to therapy. And if you go, it doesn't have to mean that you have something wrong with you. So there is certain fear, but there's also the fact that like what we said, there's like this, oh no, therapy will take too long. Whereas just a pill or going to the psychiatry, psychiatrist <laughs> will provide me like this, exactly this quick fix without even having mm. to understand where it comes from. Because why understand when I can just fix it without even caring for it? 
So it's kind of like a putting on a band-aid okay, when there's something different, when there's an actual infection going on or something like that. So I think it's a bit of fear, but also a bit of laziness as well. Like we don't want to think about that because we are moving in such a fast-paced world that who has time for therapy? But that's why I actually think, and here's my personal opinion, that, that is, it's so important to go to therapy or to analysis or whatever you decide to go to because it will actually give you time to think and it will actually give you time to analyze. And we all really need that. It's important and it's important to focus on processes, not, not the result. And that's something we've forgotten. Yeah, so it's like a little space for you to not have to be moving fast and not have to be scrolling through your phone and not have to be thinking about what the next thing is. It's just mm. one hour or two hours of your week where all you're doing is just thinking about mm. what's going on inside you. Mm. So it's almost, I was going to say, it's almost like meditating in a different way. Yeah, definitely. But the thing is also why I think people are not that happy with therapy at the moment is we have this boom of, of like alternative medicine, which is not like the scientific medicine. And there's actually like astrology and there's meditation and happiness courses like Yale has this happiness course which is really interesting oh, yeah, I've heard but, about it. yeah yeah but and then there's this um affirmation so every day wake up and look into the mirror and say I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty until it becomes true it doesn't and then <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you start believing it but it's not a fix it won't mm. really fix what's going on inside and then there is all of these new alternative ways of being happy and people prefer that because it means you will be happy and you don't have to focus on feeling negative and again i'm quoting here <laughs> negative feelings the thing is it's sort of like a quick fix as well even though they're saying oh no medicine like traditional medicine is bad and all of that it's basically the same because it's telling you you can't feel these bad feelings or these negative feelings you have to be feeling happy all the time and mm. why focus on on the fact that you're feeling depressed it's best if you just like the this gratitude journal every day and start feeling happiness for having all these things to be grateful for so what therapy does or at least psychoanalysis is it confronts you with reality and the fact that not everything's pretty and positive but but that you can have these negative feelings or the, and these negative thoughts and say um i'm feeling really bad and i'm feeling even from i'm feeling fat <laughs> to i'm feeling depressed and i'm feeling anxious and it's okay to feel that and in the beginning, psychoanalysis won't really tell you it's okay to feel that. It will sort of just, because the, the psychoanalyst is not giving you the answers to anything, his or she, they're just listening and making you talk. So initially, psychoanalysis will make you feel a bit more anxious and it will raise all these negative, quoting, feelings mm. because it's confronting you with the fact that they exist and that you don't have to cover them up. And I think people don't really like that. So that's it. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one because that was the the next thing that we were keen to, to know about is like you mentioned sort of the, the practicality of going and, and seeing a therapist and, and what that's like and what it might be like if you're going to see a psycho a psychoanalyst to, to do that. So how do you, I guess, how do you advise people or how do you know what type of therapy that you need, whether it's psychoanalyst, whether it's psychiatry, 
you know, or whether it's just to kind of meditate and like chill out at the end of the day. I, I don't know. It sounds like you wouldn't advise people just to no. do that. <laughs> yeah, most people have a hard time knowing what type of therapy to go to in their current state. And what do you think there's a good way of knowing when you need something more like psychiatry or when you would be good with psychoanalysis? Like, do you think there's a... Mm. My personal opinion, but some people may differ on here, I think psychiatry and psychoanalysis, like if you're going to a psychiatrist and you're taking medis- me- medication, <laughs> you should always do it hand in hand with a psychoanalyst. It's just really interesting what happens there. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I, but it's not something, it's probably not even in a book or anything. It's just my, based on my personal experience. And what I've seen with friends, it usually works so much better when you're doing it with an analyst. Because if you're just taking medicine, then you're going to stop in a year. And then you're just going to go back to the way you were. (laughs) Because there wasn't any processing and any analyzing. And you didn't really change things from the root. You just put that band-aid on for a certain amount of time. And there are people who take medicine for... 10 years, 20 years, and they don't even really know who they are anymore, and they don't even think about that. So there's that. I always think a psychiatrist treatment should go hand-in-hand with a psycho- with, a, with psychoanalysis. That's just my personal opinion. People may be okay. fair. I have a friend, for example, who started psychiatry and medicines with a cognitive conductual, I don't know if that's the correct term in English, but with a cognitive therapy. But, you know, it's what the psychiatrist recommended. So I know people have different opinions of this. That's just mine. And then in terms of other psychology areas or areas of study, I think it really depends a lot on personality and on what the the specific person is looking for. I always, always, always recommend psychoanalysis. Even if you're psychotic, I think psychoanalysis with a person who's an expert on that is good. Actually, I, I actually don't think there's any other area of psychology that works with psychotic patients. But anyway, I guess psychiatry. Psychiatry, exactly. But that's yeah, exactly. And then, for example, if you have like this specific problem that you want to fix, like oh, I'm going on a trip in six months and I'm afraid of flights, then cognitive. Uh, psychology. I think it's cognitive behavioral perfectly. therapy is what yeah. it's called. Exactly, yeah. 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 Cognitive behavioral. Thank you. <laughs> That's the one. So, but yeah, there are so, so, so many. And then there's logotherapy and then there's gestalt. So they're really, really good, I think. But they don't go that deep into the subconscious and they go more towards how can we make, make you feel better. But practical. Yeah, they're very practical. Doesn't mean they're bad or anything. It just means they're shorter term. But they're still good. It's not like it's a quick fix. They do work with the patient and they they make changes that come from the mind and all of that. It's not it's not that chemical or science based. It's it's still subjective. It starts listening to the person. So they're good. But I just think that the one that's more deep is psychoanalysis, definitely. But it's also the slowest one. Okay. okay. Interesting. And I have kind of I have a, a kind of final question where you mentioned that sometimes people take medicine for 10 years and then they don't know who they are anymore. But a lot of people, the reason why they're afraid to start going to psychoanalysis as well, in my experience with my friends, is that they say, oh, but then I'm going to have to keep going for 10 years. So what, yeah, what do you think about how long psychoanalysis should take or could take or because I know I went for six months and it still worked for me 
but then some people do go for 10 years. No, I think if a psychoanalyst, I mean, it depends on your objectives and what you're looking for. And I think one person will never, ever, ever be done getting analyzed. I do think that there's a point where there's like the analysts should say this is enough. You can't depend that much on therapy for now or on analysis okay. for now. And they're the ones who say this is it and go your own way. But it does take some time. Um, I personally have been five years in analysis and I'm still working through so many things and it's so interesting. But at the same time, I'm someone who eventually wants to dedicate my life to that. So it makes sense that I'd be going there for longer for a longer ter yeah. period term. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, there's no there's no like correct answer to that. I think each person, depending on what they're working through and um, like their own process, you just know when it's time to to leave. Okay. I can tell you, yeah. ten years is too much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like there's an issue there with the relationship <laughs> between the analyst and the <laughs> and the patient, but uh, but yeah, yeah, it could be codependent. Should be prepared that it's long. Yeah. But good okay. question. Interesting. So yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's really it. interesting. Thank you so much. Two if you really good. Yeah. Good, uh, good tips and insights for for people, definitely. Yeah, if you have been affected by any of the topics that we discussed in this podcast, we will leave numbers on the episode notes to mental health helplines in Mexico and the UK, and yes. you can always find them online. Thank you so much. Cool. Uh, it was really so much, nice Amaya. to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope it was actually insightful and not just babbling. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. And yeah, keep having a nice time in your Mexico house. Bye. 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 Hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope it was insightful or helpful in some way in understanding therapy and processes. Yeah, and psychoanalysis specifically wasn't something I really knew about before kind of speaking with you about it and, yeah. um, and learning a little bit from, uh, from reading online. But yeah, it's an interesting and very deep subject. Yeah. So this is the first of our mental health series episodes. Look out for the next one, which is going to be with a psychiatrist. Yes, and so that'll be very shortly, and then hopefully we'll have another one after that as well to yeah. kind of round off the series. If you have any questions for that we can pose to, to an expert about anything to do with mental health, please um, do let then us know. Let us know, yeah, because it's interesting we can ask pe different people for, for their perspectives. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, if you want to get in touch with us, yeah. um, you can uh, get in touch with me on Twitter, Instagram, online. Fraser D. Bell is my username. And I am at underscore Natalia Albin. And we have a new Instagram, which is very exciting. It's yes. at the Avocado Social Club. And yes. we post the things that we talked about in our Watched, what we enjoyed. Yeah. and a Announcements about new episodes, exactly. calls for guests. Yeah, everything, so everything's going to be going on there. Go follow us. Yes. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.